Welcome to the Austin Action Fest podcast. We focus on filmmaking from idea to distribution and everything in between. We focus on you getting your project in the can and for the world to see. Thank you for listening to the Austin Action Fest podcast. Now let's get cracking. Like just respect the crew and let them do what they do and don't get in their way and don't try to be the mega person coming in to save the day always. Like sometimes you're saving the day by just getting us a cup of water when we're like dying and stuck in a task. Right. So, um, you know, thicken the skin, come in knowing that it's going to be tough. You're going to have long days. You're going to be on your feet most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, some ADs do not want to see you on your phone, even if you're texting base camp. <laughs> that I had that happen to me one time where I was literally texting the base camp PA and I got yelled at by an AD. <laughs> so, you know, it happens. Yes. So one of the other guests was just explaining to us, uh, Jennifer was just saying, um, when it comes to the PA, some people come in and they see it as, oh, you know, well, I'm just a PA. Maybe it's beneath me, but not realizing that your job is important. Right. You oh, have God, the yes. capability to make this production go really well or because you don't do something like that water or, you know, go get me the battery for my walkie or whatever. This production could all, so we could be an hour behind because of something you didn't do. That's right. you know? Yeah, the PA job is so important, even if you yes. feel like you're the least important person, um, because not having good PAs on, on a show, you can feel it. And then if you're on a show where there's like five really good PAs and then there's one person who's kind of a joke, that person sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, yeah the best PAs are kind of ninjas. We're just, we're, we're not necessarily right there in your face all the time, but we know how to be near and we know how to keep our eyes open and our ears tuned to what's going on around us without being in the way constantly. I feel bad when I'm in the way and I'm always in the way. I don't know how I'm in the way sometimes, but I just am because it's just the nature of set. And that's probably going to change when we get back to work, but that's a whole other conversation. When do you Um, think you you will be back? But PAs are so important. I've been on shows where you just – I've been the AD on a show where I was given one paid PA and a bunch of volunteers, and the volunteers would be, like, halfway through the day being like, well, i got to go, like, walk my dog, and then they just disappear. And then suddenly I have, like, one poor guy trying to set up lunch – with mm. the producer because they didn't hire lunch, you know, a caterer. And then the, then I need the PA to come and yell at the grips to be quiet because we're rolling and let everybody know we're rolling because my voice is blowing out because I'm screaming mm. across the set. Mm. And then somebody walks into a shot because I don't have somebody at like a doorway that was like right at the set to like stop crew from coming yep. in. So like PAs are really important. They just aren't like the coffee holders that everybody think they are. Like when you get on a really big show, the PAs will run coffee sometimes. But for the most part, they're so important keeping information going around the set. We're on a new scene. Scene 16's up. Uh, rehearsal's up. Safety meeting. Fall in for the safety meeting. Like announcements. Uh, keeping things quiet. Keeping note of safety if something seems off. Like bringing it to the attention of the ADs. Um, and just helping to facilitate and be the ears and eyes of the ADs when the ADs aren't able to be in all the physical spaces on set at once. Okay. So that's, that's you know, I, it's your important PAs. You really are. They you might not feel like it. Uh, I have tried in the honey wagon and you will too. 
behind the, behind the scenes right now running some things, but I want to just point something out. I did do uh, I was PA Nation for some time myself, and um, been a lot of stuff on some Rooster Teeth. The Ninja Ghost host in the background, and uh, one of the funniest things is that talking to grips and gaffers about holding on set, like because we're trying to get a shot, specifically when. <laughs> Specifically when their union is was the biggest nightmare. Like they did not care what I had to say. They were trying to pack up to get out earlier than we needed to, and they did not care oh, about overshooting at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's the real I, I would say it's not just those departments. I, I honestly I've I've experienced it across the board. There's always somebody who comes up like just as we call rolling, like literally the slates in the frame. And, you know, the guy's like, well, my boss is telling me to be, I got to bring this two by four in. It's like a set decorator. And you're like, you guys said we were ready. Like we're literally fucking rolling. Yeah. You know, like just not just the grips. Yeah. We love you. We love y'all grips. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anybody on the set. Yeah. It's anybody, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, and honestly, the ADs will tell you, the ADs will tell you, like, hey, let that person in or something like that. Because their, their boss will go to the ADs saying, hey, I know we're about to roll, but, like, I really need, like, look. <laughs> you guys can see the wires right there. I got, right. like, dropped or, you know. But they'll tell us that on our walkies most of the time so somebody just got there a little too late and is, like, it's fine. Wait for the next take if it's not, if it's not that important. You know, you can stand here for two seconds and be quiet. But, you know, you're always going to battle that. Like, there's, you can scream it to the hilltops, like, please respect the, the PA lockups. But, I mean, like, sometimes I've been locked up, and I've been looking at them and be like, I know we're not rolling. <laughs> I'm literally in your department. <laughs> like, and I know where the camera is pointed, and I know we're not rolling, and I literally need to go over there. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm actually being called by our boss to go over there. So please right. let me So I, I get it. You know, there's a lot of it goes back to the people who show up on set as day player PAs who don't really know what they're doing and don't really take it seriously. They don't respect like this. They think it's this fun hobby and it's right. you know, glamorous, glamorous Hollywood, you know, it's like, it's a job, it's a work site, it's a construction site half the time. Please mm -hmm. respect people's jobs, you know, so I get it, I get why people get cranky. Now speaking of, of jobs, yes. when you go up, to, when you get up in the morning to go to the job, no matter what production it is, what makes you excited to go to that job? Oh man, I, I'm, I'm a storyteller at heart. Uh, I'm writing my own screenplays. I've directed a few small things. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be a big-time director. That's not my goal. I am. Right. I'm 37. I am doing the thing I love to do. Mm -hmm. um, and what I love about it is that I get to be part of the story. Um, there's nothing cooler than when you're on a show that you really love the script and the director and like seeing how everything comes together and you spend like a month in pre-pro at least. And that first day when you roll camera that first time and just looking around being like, man, all of the, the budget meetings and the schedule meetings and we're on salmon colored shot list and, uh, you know, like 
all of that finally is happening. There's something really nice to know that you facilitated getting it there. Right. And uh, when you rap and you see the director just being so excited because they made their movie happen. Right. I mean, it's uh, one of my favorite productions I worked on, Hellion, uh, mm -hmm. Kat Candler cried when we rapped. And I, you know, I cried with her. It was, it was a hard production, and right. but it was worth it. And like she's, she's running huge shows now. I mean, right. she's she's doing great, and she deserves it. And it's just really feels good to be part of a process like that, where you're helping to make somebody's dreams come true. And you know, you get to be part of the storytelling too. Sometimes you have to help the director make decisions. And right. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to tell their movie, you know, but I will happily facilitate if I am asked to do that. And so, a lot of times I am. So mm -hmm. it, it satisfies like the technical part of my brain where I love gear and I love crew and Seticate and all the like the nerdy aspects of production, the, the community that we build. But then it also satisfies the storytelling and just being part of the arts. Yeah, I went to film school. I went to an art school. I illustrate. I write. So I totally get it. Um, so yeah. as far as the crew itself, how many? Okay, bigger question. Do you consider the people that you work with, or at least a percentage of the people that you work with, family? Oh my God, yes, film fam. It's a silly hashtag, but it's real. I mean, uh, <laughs> we have Zoom meetings for the production I'm on. Right. Now, just to, I mean, we're trying to figure out if we could ever go back into production, but we're also like, it's nice to see people's faces. And when yeah. you're spending nearly 90 hours a week on set with people, they become your family. Yeah. I mean, I met my, my fiance through, you know, various productions we worked on. Not There wasn't any just one. There was like a whole string of shows together. It and better be. When we weren't working on a show together, I asked him, you know, <laughs> I asked him if he wanted to go out on a date. And, you know, it's just like you get to know these folks in a different way. It's not just like the guy who works in the cubicle over on the other side of the office. It's mm -hmm. like you interact with a lot of the people. And, like, at lunchtime, it's almost like a weird high school. There's cliques, like, all, you know, the departments, like, sit together. And, but I've had some amazing times. And um, most of my good friends work in film and understand my schedule and my weird life. And you, yes. you understand this because uh, you definitely understand because I'm I'm on uh, or was on the event side of this. Mm -hmm. so I understand the click part. I understand the different departments, you know, lighting, uh, TV, you know, the stagehand crew, just all in different clicks and very few people, very few of them actually mix. Mm -hmm. So I definitely understand that now. As, as far as networking is concerned, I'm assuming all this, this, I guess, networking, referrals, all that kind of things happens when you do certain, you spend all this time you know, together. Um, how many jobs do you think you got through networking and just being, a, a, how many jobs have you got through networking, really? I'd say like at least 80% of the time. Wow. Yeah, I, the mass majority of jobs come through people I've worked with and who then throw my name to somebody um, or they call me back or, you know, um, it's, 
once in a great while I see something that looks cool that I'm like, oh, I'll send in an application for, but, and I, you know, sometimes I get those jobs, sometimes I don't, but mm -hmm. most of the time it's somebody texts me and is just like, hey, I can't do this. They need a first AD. You want it? It's yours. You know, like, um, that's kind of just how it goes with once you get into the more professional level of filmmaking. Right. It's harder when you're scrambling around the indie world. Right. Um, there is, and I've done it for a very long time, and I still technically am in that world a lot. Right. So I know that struggle, and um, you want to put your name out as much as possible, but also you got to be careful because you just, you want to make sure you're not getting on these productions that kind of don't have a good reputation. Right. Um, they're definitely in a small uh, environment like this. There are people that uh, have bad reputations, and if you're associated with them, it makes it harder for you to get a job. So oh. I kind of like to stay more freelance than most people. Do your research. <laughs> Do your research. That's such a big deal. I mean, we've all taken those jobs where we're like, oh my God, what are we doing here? And it can hurt you. And, um, you, a lot of times people don't aren't their best on a job they don't feel great on to start from so uh, that's kind of a good thing for indie folks to know is just do your research about who you're getting into because uh, it is a family and like families it can be dysfunctional as hell and you know it can be toxic so you got to be careful and um, you still got to protect yourself in the end Right. And so, and you want to make sure you're getting, you know, you're getting your paycheck, you're staying safe, you know, and you're finding some enjoyment in it because or else why bother? This is a job where it's like, if you don't enjoy it, why bother being here? Right. Uh, it's, yeah, okay. <laughs> drives, drives all of us crazy when we work with somebody who clearly hates being there. So when you think about yeah. a job as far as, I don't know, uh, what is your angle doing whatever you want to do? In this case, AD. What is your end game when it comes, when it comes to becoming an AD? Um, do you get more training um, in the different kinds of way to do things? For example, and here's a big one. Because we're in this COVID zone, it was kind of not, not really done before, but definitely more done now is v, uh, VR production, right? Yeah. Would you recommend that, you know, uh, first ADs become more savvy and unreal so they can say, hey, they can move lights or and do the same kinds of things on they do on the live action production, but do that on a green screen stage to see that, to make sure that they have a job. Right. You know, because, because we can't do, I can't be next to you within three feet. How can I do that in on a, on a green screen shoot? I mean, how do we move up from AD or, or at least do parallel things? Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing about the ADs. Is that kind of changing? I think changing how that how your job is looking for you all. Um, we don't know. 
as far as I know, the eight, the first and second and second second are all staying put because it feels yeah. like we're going to end up needing more yeah. uh, people to, to strategize. And um, strategery, <laughs> uh, especially with the health situation, um, they are actually looking at, they're calling them like COVID compliance. Yeah like specialists and all kinds of things like that. Um, I've just started digging into a lot of that paperwork and I think I'm gonna take a online like COVID course. Um, a lot of ADs are recommending that. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like the ADs are gonna become even more important right. going forward because we're, we're kind of the, the weird glue and um, I don't really want my director stressing about the fact that he can't have his production, like production designer standing next to him, you know, like all the time, you know, so it's going to become more important that there's go-to people who are in between, who can float, who can strat like come up with strategies um, and allow the creative aspects to keep being creative. Right. And then I go back to them and be like, listen, I know we want to try it this way, but we're not going to be able to because of these health codes. So let's, here's what the suggestions are. They're still going to need that. Um, in terms of VR and stuff, I mean, you guys don't have ADs? I thought you did. I've been on many green screen shoot, shoots with like the full ADs team because you still got to have talent. Right. You're still going to have, you know, lighting and, and all the things still need to be coordinated. And right. like, it's just, you know, instead of on location, you're just on a studio with a green right. screen background. So, I mean, ADs aren't going anywhere. We don't know exactly how our job is changing. We do know, I suspect that ADs are going to become more important just mm -hmm. to handle just being specialists and working with the, the COVID specialists and working with pandemic specialists and understanding health codes a little bit more so that the creatives can then get that information and go forward from there with their scripts. And I already know several shows that are dealing with that right now where rewrites are happening because uh, code compliance, I mean, we're just gonna have to figure it out, so. We're not going to be able to do all the shit that we used to be able to do. So what can we do now? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So weird world. <laughs> yeah, this is planet. Earth. I I kind of feel like we're that. I feel feel like someone didn't do their mission when they came back in time. So we're in the <laughs> failure. <mode. laughs> we're in the failure mode of that. Um, so what do you what do you want to do? What what is your future? No. Oh man, my future. I really love the um, smaller but decent budget uh, feature film world. Yeah. I like, I like from like one million to like five million range. I mean, I just uh, I love independent movies that aren't so independent yet you're literally scraping couch change. Um, so you can still be a union signatory and also not stuck to a studio system. I think that's where I kind of belong. Um, I don't see myself running massive big blockbuster shows. Um, I don't watch them that much. So, I mean, I watch a lot of like artsy fartsy stuff. <laughs> you know? There's nothing wrong I mean, with artsy fartsy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I watch a lot of art house. I watch a lot of, I, I really love independent dramas um, and psychological thrillers and things like that. And uh, stuff that has some action, but you know, there's not so much that it drains the entire budget. And then you know, everything becomes about the special effects budget. And you know, you're shooting on a camcorder with like, right. C-list talent because you can't afford anything else because you need to blow up that building, <laughs> you know. So what I don't. Action, but, but what <laughs> what makes you excited about being your first AD for like uh, an action shoot or? Oh, or I mean, what doesn't I? You know, <laughs> we got to blow up a diner in Cleveland. Oh, and it ooh. failed, but then it didn't. <laughs> VFX to the rescue. Um, but I mean, it's super exciting when when it does happen and it works too. Like Hellion, we had a football game. We actually packed the stadium, and while that was happening in the parking lot, uh, this is not a spoiler. This is literally at, like the beginning of the movie. Um, but the, these these boys light a car on fire, and we actually lit a car on fire. We we blew up a truck basically and. Um, that was such an exciting night. I remember just looking over at the director and we were just like, yeah, 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 fire, fire. You know? So like, there's something really fun about that. I mean, even on the big shows, like everyone gets kind of excited when we're doing a big crazy stunt, you know, like let's blow up an ambulance. <laughs> let's do it three times. Yeah. The exciting parts of life. I mean, you see, you see people under pressure, then they push through. And then you got this piece of uh, the set pieces or whatever you need to do to get it on on the film. And right. It's wonderful to see. You see the finished yeah. products, you know, it connects. Stunts, stunts is one of my favorite things to witness. Uh, and seeing a good coordinator in action is, um, again, I always defer to the coordinator. It's, it's kind of industry practice when there's a stunt coordinator on. The first AD, the director, all of us kind of step back, you know, like we've already had our meetings with this guy. We've already discussed what we need. Um, but this is their moment and they've taken well, all the notes. We have, the, we have our own violence conductor. Huh? Mm -hmm. We have our own violence conductor. He may yeah. be listening. <laughs> let them, listen, let, you know. Listen right now. But we have a violence <laughs> conductor that does exactly that. Yeah, let them do it, you know, because sometimes, I mean, like, I'm writing a script that has some action in it, and I'm like, I'm, if I shoot this thing, I am definitely deferring to a strong action coordinator, because I don't even know how to write this. <laughs> you know, I'm figuring it out, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and it's the same thing on set. Like, I'm not a stunt coordinator, so I, I'm going to defer to the guy who literally has spent their time you know coordinating with their stunt players right. and it's so exciting to see it come together when you know they've been practicing forever like there's um we had a guy on this project i'm working on that he had to throw himself through a bunch of rocks over and over and over again mm, and ouch. i mean it he definitely wrecked himself, <laughs> but it, I mean, he does, he knew what he was getting into. I mean, that's what stunt players do, and he just he was so excited when they. I mean, the take was great; it was perfect, and um, just seeing even with like you know a big cut across his head and him being like, "Well, I guess I might have to go to the hospital," but you know, yeah, we got the take. You know, like there's something kind of cool working with people who are just like that is their energy. 
Because I am, mm, you don't see me cutting my forehead open for a, <laughs> for any take. But I, that's why I'm not a stunt player, you know. So I, uh, I have a lot of respect for that process. I really enjoy watching it. Okay. So yeah. we're going to be having time for questions. Keisha, did you see me? All right. Let me do a check for some questions here. Yeah. I mean, good question. You answered some of them as you were uh, talking to some of the questions that came up, but let me check the groups here and see if, see if we have any. I did like sh uh, shooting with you, by the way, even though it was an event. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the side hustle. Del <laughs> uh, World, 2014. Del World, 2014. Okay, I'm not seeing any on this page either. But I did, while, we're, while I'm still looking, Michelle, can you talk about the, you brought up the Zines? Whenever we had, um, we were getting some information from you before. If you could talk about that designs, am I saying it right? Zines. Zines. Yeah. Like. Okay. I'm so sorry. I was like, she's looking okay. at. Okay. Must be saying it wrong. <laughs> I'd, I'd show it to you. I run a I run a zine library of over twenty five hundred independent publications. A lot of them self made or um, or small print. Um, and uh, when it's not pandemic, people come in on a scheduled shift and they check zines out like books in the library. And it's a lot of voices, it's, it's a lot of different alternative voices. Um, you know, queer culture, black struggle, like, like native, um, just a lot of stuff that's hard to find or is often buried in bullshit on the internet. Right. And, uh, and people just writing about their lives and their struggles and or that's just like cookbooks or comics like you know um, some of my favorite ones are like DIY stuff there's movie ones or stuff about working in film and like you know a crew members talking about their lives and um, you know it's just it's an exciting thing it, I kind of secretly low-key wanted to be a librarian <laughs> so right. here I am I now run a virtual version of it um, during pandemic, and uh, it's called the Sherwood Forest Zine Library. And if you look us up online, you can find us. It's just SherwoodForestZineLibrary.org, and then there's a drop-down menu for the virtual library, and you can download PDFs for free that people donate. Oh, yeah. wow! All for free. So, yep, yeah, it's free. It's a library. So, nice. Okay. Um, let me see. I think we do. Hi, Fontessa. We've already answered that. What's the process for the zine library? We've already gone through that. Uh, maybe it was a process for my for my job. Like, how do I do what I do? Yes. What is the process? What is the process? Um, well. Uh, once I jump on a project, uh, I'm given the script. I break it down by its elements per scene. So I create a big script breakdown, and then I create a preliminary schedule. And then we meet with the department heads over the schedule. We find out if there's actor blackout dates, once they get casting going, things like that. And then we, re we basically redo the schedule a thousand times until we actually 
go into production. <laughs> and even then, we redo the schedule a thousand times because thunderstorm or somebody's cat died or, you know, all kinds of production life, you know, happens. Um, but that's kind of the main prep that I do. I do a million meetings. I like to sit down with every department head and try to go through everything that pertains to their department and see if there's anything that's going to trip us up on set. Um, so say costumes has a very complicated piece that is going to take more time than usual. I would like to know that. And you don't always know that until like right around fittings, which will often happen just like the week before. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's constant meetings, trying to just make sure you know as much of the script and as much as what the director and DP are thinking as possible. Um, I like to sit with DPs, even though they don't like it often. <laughs> they often are just like, didn't we already talk about this? And it's like, yes, but now that you have new information with your gear, has anything changed? You know, I want to make sure we have time. Yeah. So um, it's a lot of meetings. Uh, scouting, uh, we usually do a big tech scout before the start date where we take all the department heads through each location. It can be a multi-day process, or it can be all in one day, depending on how many locations and how many are available for measuring stuff. They're getting logistics and all that. How do you get all that? The cameras, all the equipment to set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's so. Tech scouts are really important. Honestly, I think that's one of the rookie mistakes a lot of indies make is that they don't schedule a proper tech scout. And I get why sometimes you don't, because sometimes people are flying in like last minute because that's all you can afford them for. Right. Or um, you just can't get to those locations until the actual book dates. Or there's a, a variety of things that go wrong. Um, but it's really, really helpful for like a lot of people don't think they need their gaffer there or their key grip or the sound person or... I'm sorry, but your department heads, like, even, like, costumes and makeup and hair should kind of take a look at these locations. Um, if everybody can be available, it makes my job a lot easier on the day when we show up and people aren't like, I didn't know we didn't have any parking over here. Like, we all kind of, we went to the Zach Scout. We saw, like, oh, God, parking's a nightmare at this location. Let's try to carpool. Let's try to figure out a van-in situation. Like, um, so things like that, I think, are really important, but often indies don't budget a work day for them. So that also, you know, they're like, oh, four people go on the tech scout. And it's like, well, oh, cool, I'm taking notes for, like, an entire department that's not here that, like, I don't know half the things they would ask, you know. I know some of them. I know that a key grip's going to ask where they can stage equipment. You know what I mean? Or like, I know Electric's going to ask, like, do we need a generator here? Or can we pull power from the location? Right. Like on an indie, often you don't get a generator. So, I mean, it's really important to have your gaffer on your tech scouts if you're not going to be using a generator for most of your power. So things like that. And sound, I mean, a lot of people don't bring their sound people out on a tech scout. And it's like, then we get in on the day and it's like, hey, we're next to an airport, guys. Like, you're going to have to schedule some ADR because this is all we can do. Um, so, and that happens a lot. So I really, really emphasize if you're a beginning filmmaker and you're, you know, you're excited, you've got budget, you're getting going, 
schedule and pay people for a tech scout your department heads you don't need the entire crew to show up but at least like six of the department heads should be there you should have your dp you should have your production designer gaffer key grip sound and your ad and if you can get more than that amazing you know but those are the bare bones that should come out and locations obviously about how far in advance do you want to do that um tech day what do we you usually do it a week before oh a week before okay so yeah two, two weeks to a week before things change mm -hmm. um so if you do it too early then it's just like and it kind of negates a lot of the information and <laughs> gets kind of silly um but if you do it too close to the start date then if say something comes up in the tech scout they're like crap we're gonna have to budget for that or deal with that then you don't have enough time to deal with it then it kind of negates also negates the tech scout so you want to do it about like two weeks to a week before where everyone really goes through every location you may have like one or two locations that are still up in the air which happens it just does and th in which case you'll try to schedule like a smaller like side thing but um you really should always do a proper tech scout with as many of the locations as you got about a week before production. So. Cool. Cool. Do we have any more questions? Uh, I'm not seeing any more questions right now. I wanted to know if Michelle though, if, was there anything that you wanted to make sure that you shared with people or that you um, promoted to them or was, I also wanted to ask where can people go if they want to connect with you, like find out more about you or anything like that, like your Instagram? Uh, um, well, my Instagram doesn't really show much, but, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you can, I'm easy to find on Facebook. Okay. I'm, my Instagram is at Mothra, uh, M zero instead of an O T H R A one. So you can also just look up my name on Instagram. There's very few Michelle Mietis out there. I've been pronouncing your, your name wrong. It's okay. Everybody has. Uh, I don't correct people most of the time. My dad gave up a long time ago. He doesn't even care anymore. So <laughs> um, it's fine. Try saying Chalimboy five times fast. I mean, you can call me Millette. I'm not going to be upset by it. So. Um, but yeah, you can look up my name, find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook. I used to run a Tumblr when I first started about being a first AD, and uh, so I got some of my earlier jobs that way, but I haven't updated it in like four years or something. So it was really about my like beginning journey, but it was pretty fun to do. Um, so that might come up. <laughs> Just know it hasn't been updated in a very long time. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, what questions do you have for the Austin Action Fest? I know this is your first time here. I'm not sure if you've heard it when I put it on Facebook or whatever. Um, what questions do you have for us? Um, I mean, how, how much do you guys think about ADs? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I think it's actually kind of cool that you guys brought in um, other folks outside of just directors and screenwriters. I feel like a lot of festivals often only emphasize the creatives and often leave behind the the techs. And the right. techs 
also make the movie. So, it, and it, a lot of people are very interested in talking about that. I went and did a talk at Mass Art, uh, Mass College of Art and Design, which is where I, uh, where I went to. They brought me in to teach a class on just things to do and don't do as a first time director. Mm. And the entire class is like, nobody talks to us about production. Mm. Nobody talks about scheduling or etiquette or lingo or any, like outside of a C47, like, you know, everybody knows what the clothespin is, but like beyond that, nobody talks to us about these things. And these are film students who want to go into it. So um, that's really, uh, it's really cool to see that you guys are pulling in more production and tech folks because action is heavy on tech. I mean, the wire work stuff, I mean, anything to deal with special effects. I really think you guys should get a, a special effects, uh, like a union special effects technician. And, you know, like, <laughs> I think it would be kind of, they're fun because they'll tell you your trait. Little thingy. I will tell them. I have plenty of friends that could do that. I have, we have one uh, uh, VFX supervisor mm. that has already said yes to a little talk a little bit later on in the year. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you may actually have already met him. So, Probably. yeah. <laughs> but he's going to be on there. Um, there are plenty of visual effects friends that work on other shows that you did, all of you've definitely heard of. So uh, they not all of them have said yes yet, but guys, it's coming. Um, it's going to be coming, and because we're at Austin Action Fest, I'm going to ask questions as far as how do the physical and and uh, virtual world, the VFX world, intermix and what that process is. Yeah, that's a cool one. That's um, always for me whenever I'm running a day where it's VFX or special effects or any any non-traditional talky-talk dialogue scenes. It's always interesting to see the process. Mm -hmm. And there's always a debate. Like, the protocol is different from show to show, too. I mean, I've seen people have arguments about whether you green screen a phone with a piece of green you know, backing, or you just put a big old neon X on it, or you don't do anything at all, it's fine. You know, it's like, it's so crazy to see the different techniques. So I think it's really interesting to bring in more of the techs. And as as it, I know nothing. I'm like, oh, X on the screen, I don't know. It's all good. All right, we did have a couple more questions that came in. What program do you use the most? I think um, we talked about that at the beginning, but. Yeah, Movie Magic Scheduling is the standard one. Outside of that, you use Excel for a lot of sorting stuff and, you know, making lists and whatnot. But Movie Magic is really, it's just a built-in scheduler. So um, I use it all the time for even short films and episodic, although I don't do a lot of episodic as an AD, but yeah. What software actually is used before movie magic excel <laughs> i think movie magic is the very first one from my understanding and became quickly became the industry standard and it's kind of hard to unseat it since okay. so many people have it now 
kind of like Final Draft or any of these, these like the, the key um, software. So if you're a small fledgling company trying to come up and, and develop something that you think would be better, it's really hard. Um, I've seen some variations of different schedulers, but I still go back to maybe Magic, even though it's expensive. <laughs> it just works. <laughs> so. I understand. I understand. Okay, another question was, what different areas did you find the students really wanted to know more about? The students that you had mentioned before that you, had, you were talking to, what did you find they wanted to know about, wanted to know more about? Set life. Ah, okay. What it's like to be on an actual film set. Not like, oh, you know, the director does this and the gaffer does this. And, you know, they wanted to know what a day in a life on a real movie set looks like. Yeah. Um, because you don't get that experience in film school. You just don't. Unless you get lucky and get, you know, you know somebody who brings you on as a guest or a PA on a set. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time you just see the student set. And student sets, I'm sorry, no offense students, I was once one too, and oh my god, I did some dumb stuff on my sets. Student sets are awful. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, you know? And that's okay, that's how you learn. So, um, but a lot of people don't talk about the process of actually being on a film set. You know, the etiquette that is unwritten is insane like everyone thinks pas like move everything mm -hmm. no if you touch an apple box without a grips permission god help you <laughs> you know like you don't do it you don't un you don't unplug anything you don't turn the light switch on even if the director calls for lights that is not your job but you don't know those things until you're actually on a set and you see how yep. these things work so and why i have to, I have to make an apology laura because I didn't know, I'm sorry, this is something separate. Laura, I am so sorry for unplugging the XLR. It was not my fault. Well, it was my fault. I didn't know what I was doing. So the screeching, ear-piercing sound that permeated that the tiny auditorium and screamed in your ears, again, years later, I really apologize. <laughs> See? <laughs> You brought up Setiquette a few times now, Michelle. Do you have anywhere like on like a web page or anything somewhere where people can go? Like, do you write anything about Setiquette? Because I've heard you say it a, a few times and how important it is. So I was just wondering. You I have made a few um, written things for new PAs on shows I've worked for. Um, when I'm first thing in indie film we often don't get uh the best most experienced pas so i have like a book i've written of being you know what what it's like to be a pa mm. and, oh wait my uh my amazing gaffer fiance has Yay! This <laughs> i really should dig into holy crap it's called it's actually quite good it's actually quite good he says it's endorsed by your fiance i hear <laughs> <laughs> His name is Ben. He is a gaffer in town. Hey, Ben. Very good. Hi, Ben. <laughs> um, this one's called On the Set, The Hidden Rules of Movie Making Etiquette. Uh, I've written some stuff myself personally, and um, if anybody wants to email me, I could, you know, I'm happy to engage. God knows I have plenty of time right now. 
outside of safety courses I'm trying to take for the DGA. That's about it. So, um, you and writing a screenplay, well. yes, at some point I'm writing a screenplay. Did you share your email with us? If you, if not, if you did, could you please share it again? My email is going for F O R picture at gmail.com. Can you say it one more time? Going for F O R picture at gmail.com. I'll type it in the chat too so you guys see it. Thank you so much. Yeah. I but I have written that. about that. <laughs> um, yeah, Thank my. My my biggest thing is etiquette. I I've learned a lot of things the hard way. You do. Everyone does. Um, my first day on Dust Till Dawn, the TV series, I was a PA. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Um, I needed to plug in walkie chargers, and I stopped a grip and was like, "Hey, where do I plug these in?" And he was just like, "I don't know. I'm a grip," and walked away. <laughs> Okay. And I was like, okay. okay. And I had already been a dean for a couple years at this point. I'm like tiny right. movies. So, and it was still just a mistake because you just don't know. I also just didn't know the crew at the time. I didn't know who right. was what. So it was just a, like, I should have just gone to the ADs and been like, hey, do you guys know where or who I can ask about plugging this in? Instead, I was just asking whoever was walking by that poor soul. He had an Apple box in his hand and I should have known better that that was a grip and not an electric. Yeah. Very different when you go to the union worlds. Not, there's a lot more swinging that happens on the indie films, but on a union right. set, you don't confuse the two. Yeah. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> so, and that's the stuff that they wanted to learn to go back to the students. They wanted to learn things like that, like just in lingo. Right. Yeah. You know, lingo beyond what you always hear people say, so. Okay. okay. Well, any parting shots that you have for our wonderful audience? Uh, no, I just, you know, feel that anybody can feel free to email me if they have any questions about production or if they want to hire me to do a script breakdown. I am cheap. <laughs> right I have now. time. <laughs> um, I have actually done a script breakdown for a short film recently, so I'm happy to help people with that. Um, but yeah, beyond that, you know, hopefully at some point we can get back to work safely. I know there's a few smaller productions and commercials happening right now. My cat is all over me. It's for dinner time. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get back to work when it's safe to get back to work right now. Exactly. A little, so. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you taking yeah. the time to come and talk to us and teach us some things. Yeah, not a problem. It was fun. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I will. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Austin Action Fest podcast.